0: This episode of The People of PCPS is brought to you through the generous support of Joe Fisher's office at MidState Educators Insurance. For more information, visit InsurePolk.com. Welcome to The People of PCPS, a Polk County Public Schools podcast. This podcast is dedicated to telling the stories of teachers, paraeducators, support staff, students, volunteers, alumni, and all the people who contribute to Polk County Public Schools. Whether they're working in the school district, learning in our classrooms, or using their education to improve our community, the people are what make Polk County Public Schools great. Let's get to know our colleagues, our students, our neighbors, and our friends, the people of PCPS. Hi, and
1: welcome everyone to People of PCPS. I'm Rachel Pleasant. I'm the Senior Director of Communications here at Polk County Public Schools, and the People PCPS is a podcast we've created to simply tell the stories of the people within our organization. We believe that the teachers and the students and support staff and administrators—they're what. They are what make the school district great. And so the pupil of PCPS is a time that we've created to set aside just to focus on them and what they contribute to our organization. I'm very, very excited that today I have with me Karen Haggerty, who is a teacher. She teaches in the GED program at East Area Adult School. And um, she really makes a difference every day teaching non-traditional students and helping them to get this credential that will set them up for Lifelong success. So, welcome, Karen. Thank you.
2: I appreciate it.
1: We um, we met uh, during a recent visit that I made to East Area Adult School, and um, when I was introduced to you as the person who teaches the GED program, I was instantly very curious because I love the um, the stories that happen within our non traditional student population and. Um, so I was very curious about the teacher of that population as well. What what led you to? As we talked out that day, I understand you took a very winding path to your career. What? How did. did you? What did you do prior to becoming a GED program teacher?
2: Prior to teaching at all, mm-hmm. I worked in the tourism industry. Uh, my last position was the full time. Director of public relations and, mar- and public relations and marketing for Buck Tower Gardens, okay. and then I had a, a, a little boy, and I took a year off, mm-hmm. and in that year I started the certification process because I needed something that would be more conducive to being a parent, mm-hmm. and um, really couldn't work the long hours that I worked anymore, mm-hmm. and it was gut wrenching because I loved what I did and I had worked for 15 years to get to that level in public relations that you know that I was you know looking for from my entire career and I thought that would be what I did forever but you know things change and so I ended up teaching and I started off with high school mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to make a difference with adults like I knew they were almost adult mm-hmm. um, but I had a passion for, I don't, know, I don't know if it would be everything high school or if it's just that um, at, at the heart of what I do is I was a writer mm-hmm. and I was looking to ladder into something with writing. And so I did yearbook and newspaper. And so that age group was more conducive for that because mm-hmm. they would have already had a lot of training. Right. And they would have been e- easier to mold into, like, associated press writing or something like that. And um, so I started in August. And then in January, one of the um, APs had asked me if I wanted to take over this class to do... Uh, an after school program for uh uh, it was adult ed but at the time it was like high school students who needed to pick up credits things like that and I said oh you know sure and so I started off doing this part-time with English Mm -hmm. because I was certified in English and I did that and uh for just a semester and then the following year a GED classroom opened and you know we had we don't just teach at our school we have satellite programs all over the county Mm -hmm. to make it easy for people to get to any of our classrooms that they don't have to drive very far and I had picked up a classroom in Loughman at Loughman Oaks Elementary which is the closest school until you leave the county on the north end of Polk okay and I did that for four years and just got to know the staff and then a job opened up Um, I taught four years full time at Haynes City High School Mm -hmm. and then the job opened up for GED at our school on the main campus and the woman who had retired, had been there 25 years. Oh, wow. So she retired, and I just lateraled in. And I can honestly say I don't know that I knew completely what I was getting myself into because even though I taught it part-time,
1: uh-huh. it's
2: nothing like when you're submerged in it all the time.
1: Well, what is it like? What are some of the things that you see teaching GED students?
2: Um, just in who they are and their personality, yeah, the challenges they're facing. and um, I love it because uh, you know, one thing I learned is you know how when you're teaching – well, I'm assuming you taught, but mm-hmm. children don't like change. So, mm-hmm. like, if you have a substitute teacher, you know, you know that class isn't going to be the same all day, and you mm-hmm. kind of wonder what you're going to come back to the next day. Adults are the exact same way. They don't oh. like change. Um, you get attached to them. And sometimes when they move on, it's kind of hard to let them go because they've been your babies for so long, even though they're adults. So it's the same mentality no matter what age level you teach because they're yours. Uh And you don't know how much time you have to impact their life because Adult Ed has a program called Open Enrollment, which means students are enrolled every Monday, Mm -hmm. and because it's adult-oriented, they can drop out. And they can come back and they can drop out and they can come back and they haven't missed anything, which is a big difference from K-12 because it's a self-prescribed program. So they just come in and they roll back into classes and they pick up where they left off and they keep going. And um, so when you lose them for a little bit, you think, oh, I got to get them back because, you know, I know what their end result is Mm -hmm. because I've done it for so long. But for the student who is submerged in it and, and you have to figure some of them are going to school from grade one all the way through 12 in our school. So it takes everybody a different time frame because you have, you know, somebody who grew up in America is going to adjust and adapt to it a little bit different because they've been through the way that American schools operate. But somebody from a different country might have never stepped foot in a classroom. And so you're pulling them all the way through to high school education, and it's really self-paced. So some of them can learn pretty quickly and some of them don't. And it's funny because you almost know from what, Country they're coming from, Mm -hmm. where they're going to excel before they even really get into the curriculum, because you just learn over years, like where the countries are that like teach really strong math, Mm
3: -hmm. things like
2: that. Um, I have a student last year who taught, or who uh, spoke six languages, and he was from Africa, Mm -hmm. and three of them were tribal that aren't even languages that are written, and. He came into my room, and I was like, okay, well, he's going to blow math away, and then it'll be hit and miss on the rest of it. And sure enough, he was in my class maybe a month, and then he took the GED math test and passed it, and we're still working on the other three.
1: Wow, that is fascinating. So so the way, just sort of a basic question here, the way GED works is do I –
2: there's how does it if i dropped out in the 6th grade how what am i doing when i come to you okay so we have an entry test ca- called the CASAS goals and mm-hmm. students come in and they take a test and it tells us what level that they're being placed in so we have adult basic education which is basically grade 1 to 8 and then there's GED which is grade 9 to twelve, so um, they are placed in a in a reading class or a math class depending on where that score fell. So sometimes I get students who are across the board GED, and sometimes I might get them for reading only, but they're still an ABE for math and vice versa. And so the goal was to get them into my classroom all day GED across the board, and at that point we started introducing science and social studies concepts, and then they're literally learning all four of those tests, the content area for or the content in general for all four of those subjects. Um, and then we just take the test one at a time. So the GED is a, nat- a national test. Um, mm-hmm. And then every count- county kind of does their own way of teaching, you know, to get the student to that level. And um, so we have an amazing program that we've used over the years where students are uniform in the books and uniformed in the curriculum. And then the teacher walks around. And although we do whole group instruction, a lot of it is breaking it down individually. each person at whatever level that they're Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. For instance, an ABE classroom can have somebody learning something in the first grade, but at the eighth grade at the same time. So how do you teach that basic concept to the beginning learner who never stepped foot in a classroom because they grew up in another country and are just learning how to read in English Mm -hmm. and then turn around and transition the eighth grader into the high school curriculum. So we have to really know our curriculum well and learn our students well and scaffold well and just know how to manage all of it at once. And at the same time, not one student in the classroom knows what the other one, where they are academically. Because if you're in my classroom, you're all the same. And you may be learning something different, Mm
0: -hmm. but
2: for a different goal, because somebody might be trying to get into the fifth grade and somebody else is trying to get into the 10th grade, but they don't know that because you don't discuss course with students. But it's just a lot of fun. And and what I love about having different people in the classroom is you're literally – running a little international classroom at times. We have so many people who come from different countries and this is sometimes the first opportunity they have to learn. And then we have other people who was a practicing physician in other countries and they're here to learn English. So they may be in one of our classes um, learning. And so other students just assume, oh, this person's here for a GED as well. No, they're learning to read and write English so they can take their state boards too turn around and serve you in the medical field. So it can be anything for anywhere from a student who, like I said, has never stepped foot in a classroom to somebody who just needs to master our language to be able to do what they went to college to do. Wow. Mm-hmm. So
1: in that classroom, the hypo- I was I you kind of gave me a hypothetical, but I guess that's probably been a realized situation where you have a, a student learning on the first grade and a student mm-hmm. learning on the eighth grade level, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, you're giving – whole class instruction right Mm -hmm. how do you do that and what does that
2: look like Like, just help me understand how Mm -hmm. you I I can't imagine how you do that well when you teach a lesson somebody's assignment literally could be um, learning to define what you're doing and putting mm -hmm. into pictures and somebody else is learning how to put it in context so they may be holding different assignments in front of them but I'm teaching the same in front Okay. just like you would in a st- classroom where you have various students with disabilities or you know problems learning but on a much larger scale
1: You've mentioned several times the international aspect mm-hmm. of your job. What I, I just don't think that most people would—that would occur to most people mm-hmm. when they think about the GD program at East Area Adult that you have. But tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what kind of countries have you seen? Come people come through your classroom representing different countries. What countries have yeah. you seen? And um, and. Just give me a sense of the stories of these people that you've seen in your classroom.
2: I've watched it change over the years. Um, When I first started teaching, it was more European. We would see a lot of people from the European nations uh, with a little bit of South America thrown in there, um, maybe a sprinkle of Africa here and there. Now it's primarily um, South American, Mexican. A lot of the immigrants coming in speak primarily um, Spanish, maybe different dialects or Portuguese. Uh, I have had Arabic students, and it's so cute because they're learning our language, but in their language, they write under the line mm-hmm. where we write on top of the line. So the student's trying to write English, and like my eyes are seeing what they're doing, but it's transitioning in my mind to not get lost in what they're doing because I'm trying to read on top of the line. So I'm not, you know, so and, they're on, yeah. and I'm like, whoa, wait, wait. And sometimes I've had people come in who write from right to left instead of left to right. Okay. And you get that in some Arabic nations, too. And so to transition them to completely switch everything they've learned in their brain their whole lives to flipping it literally upside down and writing left to right instead of right to left or right to left instead of top to bottom.
1: Right. And so, you learn all this as you go as well, yeah. right? There's no mm-hmm. training for how to teach a student from. Well, sometimes
2: bed. we trip over it, but it, yeah. it's all fun. Yeah. Um, when We learn just like all the other teachers learn. You learn, you, you take what you've learned from, you know, your ESC classes and your ESOL classes and your scaffolding classes and classroom management. It all comes together, uh-huh. and you just learn, and over the years, it becomes automatic. I, I can usually figure out within the first 15 minutes of working with a student if they have a learning disability, and I know that doesn't sound like much, but adults, a lot of them especially— in my generation they didn't diagnose disabilities uh-huh. like when a student was 50 it comes in my room and they're 45 55 65 years old back when they were in grade school and high school you didn't you know you stood in the corner if you didn't kept, keep up with the students yeah. and so dyslexia wasn't talked about or even diagnosed uh-huh. and so teachers didn't have to learn how to do anything with those students because that those things didn't exist like they do today we've just made such huge strides and trying to figure out how the human mind works. And when you put that in a little child, like just imagine their sponges taking that all in. And so by the time we get the adults who used to be those children trying to figure it out with a disability
0: mm-hmm. and they
2: give up, how's my classroom going to be any different than what they envisioned when they were, you know, when they think about their childhood. Some of them might even have been bullied because they were told they couldn't learn or they were dumb or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And you always see these pictures of kids with dunce hats and the cartoons. And I just wonder... How many students actually had to go through that? Because that's a real thing at, one, at some point in our country. Yeah. So they come in, and for a student who's never been told, like, well, maybe you have a learning disability. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're not allowed to do that. I can't diagnose anybody. But through experience, you learn this student has to learn a little different. Mm-hmm. Or if I have a student who comes in and they write out a sentence or, and there's capital letters in the middle of every word.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I say, why do you do that capital letter? And they say, well, I can figure that out when it's a capital letter.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, they're dyslexic, but they've never been told that. Mm-hmm. So they write however they visually need to for themselves. And a lot of these kids figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. A lot of them come to me and teachers have taught them that. So we get a little bit of both. So it's just fun to try to figure out where they came from. It's all part of their journey, regardless of what brought them to my classroom, regardless of why they dropped out. I get to figure them out like a puzzle and figure out how am I going to put all these pieces together because they come in with a lot of baggage. A lot of them are married or divorced. They have kids. They've raised kids. They've been through it all. They're juggling a full-time job with school at night, and a lot of them take phone calls from home, and you just have to learn how to kind of sift your way through all that, take a deep breath, and keep them focused.
1: When they come to you, are they pretty much at the have they already decided it's time to go back to school, or do you ever come across? I would I would think that some of your students, they've been out of school for a long time. I mean, do you ever have to overcome a resistance or a and tell me about that yeah. and how you convince them? They, yes,
2: they had to overcome a resistance. So I know that by the time they stepped in my classroom, mm-hmm. they just did the hardest part of the job was Mm -hmm. making that decision to come back to school and stepping in the classroom and not knowing what they're stepping into. And my job is hospitality. Mm -hmm. When they come in my room, you are in my home. I spend more time in my classroom than I do where I live. Mm-hmm. So you are in my home and I'm going to welcome you in my home and you're going to feel like a welcome guest and that door is always going to be open and the lights always going to be in the window. And when you have a bad day, how about we just take a deep breath and go for a small walk and come back and see me. And you just keep them coming. You they have to know that you care for them. They just have to because mm-hmm. somebody has to care. Somebody has to, you know, they are they're coming in. Sometimes their nerves are shattered like I can see when they come in the door they stop and their eyes are big and they and they take a deep breath especially older students and then you just can see that the wheels are just going 50 mm-hmm. miles an hour and I have x amount of seconds to calm that down. Mm-hmm and make it work.
1: So your background in tourism, and does, does that come to play here?
2: when it, it you It does, talk about it does. My background in hospitality and tourism and, and your brand imaging, so mm-hmm. everything. So I am the brand. So yes, they come to my school. Oh, this is where I go for adult ed or this is where I go for my GED. No, this is where you're coming to take that first step for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I have to make sure you know that even if you don't recognize it in those words. And so- you may have gotten here, but how am I going to get you to stay? Yeah. And that's where my job is. So I am that brand. So even though the ultimate, you know, I'm the, the, there's this journey they take to get to the GED, I'm the brand that keeps them there, each and every single one of us in our classrooms every single day. And I work with a, an amazing staff of teachers and just support staff. They're just a wonderful group of people to work with. And yeah. And I just think that our students know that when they come in.
1: I want to... Talk to you about some of the lives that you've seen change mm-hmm. as far as your students. But in talking to you and you're exposed to so many people from different backgrounds and different experiences, you have to change too, right? Like when yeah. you think back to how we, the Karen who started doing this, how many years ago? No,
2: 18.
1: 18 years ago versus the Karen now. Like how has this affected you as a person and how are mm-hmm. you different from
2: uh, I am a completely different person. I remember my first year teaching was at high school and I spent the whole first year crying because people don't love their kids sometimes, you know, and I was like, "Oh my god, that these are just your babies. It doesn't matter if they're taller than me cuz I'm pretty short, but I just <laughs> I just realized like you go through life and you just you make assumptions. You make sure everybody's safe. You make sure everybody can eat. You make sure everybody belongs somewhere. And the first thing you learn is that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with situations that are way beyond what you could imagine or what you ever thought you, you could handle. But then you do, you learn. Mm-hmm. And so these students, they've touched my lives and have made me a better person and they've made me, made me a better teacher. And so, you know, it's so funny. People say, oh, but teachers, they just changed the world. We can't do it without the students because the students change us. So one of my things is, okay, this student, I'm, I'm, everything I'm trying to reach, the student isn't working, so it must not be about, you know, A, B, C. It must be about X, Y, Z. What's X, Y, Z? And then I set out. So I'm not even teaching at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what's your deal mm-hmm. and so that I know how to reach you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the fun part about it, but the frustrating part. Um, I re- had a student last year who came into my classroom and just a chip on his shoulder and he was kind of difficult and really gave me a hard time. And he had these like short bursts of anger. And I would just sit back and let him go. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'd open the door and say, hey, do you need to go for a walk? And sometimes he wouldn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> and then over the summer, I, I just touched base and sent a text every once in a while and said, hey, I hope you're doing well. I'm you know, looking forward to seeing you in the fall. Because when the world shut down in March, that gave a lot of adult students reason to not come back. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go online and the, how, the home has one computer. So who, who's last on the list? it's the parent because the kids in the the school or in the home are doing their online stuff first and so this boy was 18 but um didn't get a whole lot of support from home and but he he was hungry for the education but yet when he came in he didn't really talk to anybody and he was Mm -hmm. hard to get close to and so i i warmed up to him over the year and he came back this year and he said my mom didn't want me to come back here because i didn't really get a lot done last year okay Mm -hmm. well that's the choice that he made was to not get a lot done. And Mm. I'm like, well, I'm so glad that you're back. And he graduated right before Christmas. And so when I see the quicker I can get them to that first test where they pass it and then they see success, then they realize like, okay, I can breathe. This wasn't so hard. And I have some part of it behind me. Well, if I already started it, I might as well finish it, you know? Mm -hmm. So my big thing is, well, that time is going to come and go whether you do it or not. So let's make it count Mm -hmm. and let's see what we can get done. So, okay, we have... Two months until break. What can we get done in two months? And so you learn to take everything that you do or everything that you give the students or even, you know, week to week, you give them small amounts of time to Mm -hmm. strive for. Mm -hmm. Because in that time, I know what I'm going to impart in you. You don't know it, but I do. And I know what it takes to get to the end result. And so I can tell when students come in and I start watching them perform really how far they have to go and they're always so much closer than they think because for them they're climbing mountains Mm -hmm. but for me it's like i realize they're almost at the peak so i just have to get them up to that little peak and then once they slide over the other side of it guess what you just open up a whole world to yourself that you didn't even know was possible right because you need your education
1: um you've had so many i'm i mean you've mentioned a few but i'm sure there's so many other stories of mm-hmm. students overcoming just incredible odds and challenges and doing this in the face of, of all kinds of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Can you think, does the first one, close your eyes, the first one that comes to mind, tell me about that person and and how they came to you and then how you saw them leave when they graduated.
2: Um, oh gosh, I have a couple. Um, my favorite was a 65-year-old man that I taught probably – 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and um, his is a little bit of a weird situation because he actually had a college degree Mm -hmm. and you would say well how do you have a college degree if you don't have a high school degree but or high school diploma but he had skipped out of high school as a 15 year old lied on an application and served in World War II because he was fleeing from a very abusive home uh he was the only child in the home he was being raised by a father who was very angry and over the years this this man became his dad's punching bag, basically. And so he went into the war and he come back and he said, well, that didn't kill me. So now what am I going to do? So he took the entry test for college. Back uh-huh. then, I guess if you passed it, then you you could get into college without your high school diploma. So he did. And he became an engineer and he worked for General Elec- Electric for like 30 years. And he was so proud of his accomplishments that he had like two or three different um, photo albums and all of the clippings from the newspaper about him over the years was all in here and everything was chronicled. And he would bring it, just go and just show everybody, look, 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 you know. And then I would say, well, why are you here? And he'd say, because that's the one thing that's missing. And clear in the beginning of his very first photo album was a blank page. So his whole life Okay, now mind you, he's worked, you know, went to war, survived World War II, got married, had kids, worked 30 years, was an engineer changing lives all over the place, but he didn't even realize the impact he had on people because he felt like there was something about him that was missing. And so that, so his whole life, when he started building these photo you know, albums, that first page was for his high school diploma. And so when he got the diploma, he came in and he said, now I finally feel like I have reached every goal I've ever had in my life. And he opened that little plastic and you're talking the old fashioned photo albums that have the plastic pages. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he slid that in, and he stood there and cried. So here's a sixty five year old man crying and here is Miss Liberty oh, crying. Gosh. And and an I was like story. Oh my goodness. So so a lot of so that's a whole different reason, but sometimes you have to think we we spend our whole lives trying to overcome things that happen in life because yep. all of us grow up at a different time. And when I think about my own parents who lived through World War II, they were much younger than this man, but I hear about all that they had to give up just living in America as a kid during the war. And then here's this man who actually fought that, that war, mm-hmm. lied to get there because he loved his country so much. And, mm-hmm. and then, so he sat there for years and had to try, no matter what kind of accolade he earned, it wasn't right or enough or justified because he didn't have his diploma. Wow. So that's one aspect. And yeah. then I have fun people come in. So okay. if anybody on the other side, this is crying, I'm sorry. Okay. But then I have fun people because um, my funnest students are the ones that are circus performers. And I think I mentioned that to you. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of elephant trainers. And I said, well, <laughs> well, you know, how do you become an elephant trainer? And they said that it passes in the family. Just like being a king or a queen, like you rise up in the ranks. That's how it is in the elephant training world. You don't go to school to be an elephant trainer. You're born into a family of trainers
1: okay and
2: so then when barnum and bailey shut Mm -hmm. their circus down years Uh ago well now what do you do with an elephant trainer who only knows how to train elephants (laughs) and so they had to come back to school so here they are 45 there's two of them him and his brother like they were in the late 30s maybe maybe 40s and they had to come back to school because they had to start all back over because even though the elephants were moved to a preserve they were going to be sold off and then they wouldn't have any way of even making a living for their family and you're talking about men who and family family lines of people five six generations of elephant trainers who that income was always there and the money was good because hey who's your competition yeah only so many people can train elephants right and so that kind of thing but i've had a flamethrower i had a family of contortionists that came from romania that's Um, amazing oh yeah i've had uh clowns, (laughs) tightrope walkers. I mean, they're just fun. Talk about a career change. Well, and what I love about them is that they they play. Like, I know it sounds funny, but um, they're very driven and they're very articulate because you cannot walk across a wire with nothing under you without concentrating. Uh So everything you have every day goes into walking that line. Think uh-huh. about this. How many times do teachers try to teach students to walk the line, <laughs> right? and, and they don't get it right? But then you have this person who comes in and their whole life was walking on the line, yeah. and so their concentration levels are phenomenal. Uh-huh. Um, but and they and they concentrate so hard that sometimes it's hard to break in as the teacher. It's like, uh-huh. hey, you don't have to do this alone. You're not. You're not going to fall. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. And so um, it, it's just fun stuff. But they they concentrate, and um, and none of them. English was not their main languages, except for the elephant trainers. But when so you're dealing with a bilingual, maybe trilingual person uh-huh. who comes from a different culture, so, and then they live a life of, like, you know, I always thought that my students who worked in, in any kind of, you know, circus are almost like gypsies. They just travel. Uh-huh. They don't settle. They don't sit. They don't, you know, they move. They're always on the move. Uh-huh. And so if, if the circus is in town, the circus is going to leave town. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you may or may not see them the next time the circus comes to town. So then you have this little window to impart something in them and hope it sticks.
1: <laughs> Neat. And that's fun. Yeah.
2: And then one time, the, the family of contortionists actually came in, put a performance on for our students. <laughs> And that was fun. <laughs> you were kind enough to bring one
1: of your recently graduated students, Lizette, with you. So we're going to talk to her for a few minutes to learn more about her story, because she's a great representation of what you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll invite you back for a few more minutes. OK, sounds wonderful. Okay. Welcome, Lizette Cortez. Hi. You graduated just a few weeks ago in late December from East Area Adult, Adult School with your GED, correct? Correct. And um, I did have the chance to talk to you prior to this show, and I understand this has been a goal that's been a long time in the making for you, right? You're 54 years old? That is correct. And a mother of one, a grandmother of two, um, but you did not have your high school diploma. Tell me just how you came to be someone who did not have her high school diploma into her 50s. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Go back in time and tell me how you got here. Okay.
3: Um, it, um, if I start from the beginning, uh-huh. I can tell you it was difficult uh-huh. being raised by a single parent. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, my dad left at an early age. So I was raised by my mother, who in the old age, Hispanic women... Since she was the youngest, were taken out of the household, mm-hmm. out of school to work in the household. Okay. So she became a house person. She knows how to cook, clean, do everything in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, for reading and writing and arithmetic, my uh, mother could never help me.
1: Okay, so you didn't have a lot of support at home. Correct. Okay.
3: So everything just fell on me and my teachers. Uh-huh. Whichever teacher could support me and help me,
1: mm-hmm.
3: that was pretty much how I made it through school.
1: Okay. so, uh, But in high school, it just wasn't capturing your interest. You just didn't really want to be there. And Okay, so <laughs>
3: all through elementary school and middle school, uh-huh. every time we went for my report card, my teacher was like, She's really, really smart. Uh-huh. She's really, really bright. She's just lazy and she <laughs> won't get it done. Uh-huh. So, like, first semester, first report card, second report card, I'll get by barely skimming uh-huh. through. So, when the time came for you to get your third report card, I'd get 100, 100, 100. They were like, if she would just do that from beginning through end, yeah. she would, you know. Be great, so mm-hmm. they'd pass me because they knew I was smart enough. When right. I got into high school, it ah, was a different story. Gotcha. No. <laughs> gotcha.
1: and no. so you, mm-hmm. you just you just I left. didn't.
3: I didn't have that support. Uh-huh. Pretty much, I did not leave. I got kicked out of school.
1: Oh, okay, mm-hmm. all right.
3: I got kicked out of school for not attending class, for not having that support, and for running around with the wrong crowds.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what's really fascinating about you, though, is Mm -hmm. so you you don't have a high school diploma, but for many years you supported your child. You have a daughter. Yes. And and you worked fairly successfully without a high school diploma. You were a receptionist, a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. Tell me, just name a couple of the other jobs you held.
3: So um, early on, Mm -hmm. during, once they let me go from school, I decided to go ahead and be a beautician. So I went to cosmetology school, did that for a while, Mm -hmm. Um, got into a relationship Mm -hmm. with my daughter's father, and that didn't work out. I wound up having a child and Mm -hmm. having to raise a child by myself, just like my mom. Except I refuse to be a woman who's going to stay in the house and just take care of the house and clean and do everything that mm-hmm. I do do that. Yeah, yeah. However, I, I was like, there has to be another way. There mm-hmm. has to be a better life and um decided I'm going to work. Yeah. And I worked as a receptionist and I worked there for five years uh-huh. from receptionist. The bookkeeper who sat next to me said, I'm going to show you. -hmm. How to do this. Mm -hmm. Her name, she was an older black woman. And her name, I will never forget her, and God rest her soul if she's not around, is Roberta Dowling. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And she says, I'm going to teach you this Mm -hmm. because that little girl is going to need your support and your help. Mm -hmm. And God bless her because she taught me how to do the books, and I wound up doing the books. Back then, it was the Wainwright system, so there was no computer. You had to write everything out. You had to carbon copy and tear everything up and do the spreadsheet and take the deposit to the bank. I'd do the deposits in the bank, and I'd do everything. It was trustworthy, and thank God for her, it opened doors. Uh So I worked there for five years, and then when I decided to relocate to Dallas— I started working at a bank, and from the bank, I just kept going to different locations. And fortunately, I was fortunate enough to work into accounting, uh-huh. and everything I was being taught was math. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, and I love puzzles. Uh-huh. So it was easier for me to find things. So uh-huh. I went from bookkeeper to um accounts receivables accounts payables team leader mm-hmm. collections then I moved here mm-hmm. and became a senior account associate so That's in all that you these did all that. titles <laughs> and in the back of my head was always, you don't have your diploma.
1: Yeah, like well, yeah. Ex- I want you to uh, just expound on that for me. That this mm-hmm. is something that really nagged at you and that worried you to some extent. That that might one day Correct. come back to to cause you problems. Me. Yes, yes. Yeah. haunt me. So
3: every time I'd go on an interview, it was always, um, oh my god, if they check and find out I don't have a diploma. I'm going to be out of a job, you know, Uh I'm going to be in trouble for, you know, pretty much a lie, you know. And I was like, God, please don't let them check. Please don't let them check. And for some reason, it never came up. Mm -hmm. Um, When I did apply for the senior account associates position Mm -hmm. at Disney. Mm -hmm. um, So I went on, I applied online. I did not read the full job application Mm -hmm. and I just had skimmed through it and I applied for it and I said afterwards I went back and I read it and I said oh my god you need a degree Mm -hmm. and I was like I don't have a degree in math Uh so I sat there and I was like I'm sitting there in front of the computer and I was like okay god if it's meant for me to have this job you will give me this position Uh if not then that's okay I'm okay with either or it doesn't matter to me yeah um I was fortunate enough to get the position. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing that, I was going to school at night doing my
1: GED. Okay. Yeah. What made you say the time was right to go back and get this finished? I had to. I had to because now
3: I have grandkids. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've pushed my daughter I've helped my nephew, you know, I've helped so many kids around me, even my nephew and my niece that were here just recently Mm -hmm. from this COVID issue. They were staying with us here Mm -hmm. in Florida. Um, And I said, how can I push all these kids to do better And be better and tell them this is what you need to do to get here and here and here. If you haven't done it yourself. And I haven't actually done it. How can I preach something and not actually do it?
1: Right. So 54 years old, you did it. You got your high school diploma, your GED. Yes. What does that feel like?
3: When I got it,
1: I was so excited
3: because I was like, oh, my God, finally. Like, I finally, finally finished. Yeah. You know, and it was like, I
1: couldn't, I can't believe it. To this day, I'm like, okay, is it real? Yeah. Is
3: it real?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you feel more, like, do you feel like you carry yourself a little differently? Do you feel like you're...
3: I think, uh, like, a little bit changed on me. Like, I didn't feel this burden on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. I feel like a weight was lifted off my shoulder because now it's like, yes, I do have it. (laughs) I don't have to worry about not having it.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you, uh, what can you say to your grandkids now and your nephew and your niece when you give them that advice? Like, Mm -hmm. has that advice changed or has that encouragement changed now that it's a little bit more authentic given what you've accomplished yourself?
3: So the first person I actually contacted was my daughter. Uh And I told my daughter, I did it. And she goes, what? And I was like, I did it. She goes, you did what? And I'm like, I am a high school graduate. She goes, oh, my gosh, mom, congratulations. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. And she, you know. When I told her that I was going to school, that I, reason why I moved to Florida is because I needed to go to school because I was always taking care of everyone else. Yeah. I didn't have time for myself. Um, she was like, why now? And I was like, because it's something that I have to finish. Yeah, Not for anybody else. It's for me, mm-hmm. you know, because it's always a little annoyed in the back of my head that little question mark of every interview that I went on was are they going to ask me if I have a high school diploma or not right and I think the reason why they didn't ask me was because of the history and my work history and all the things that I've done that there was never a question Mm -hmm. they assumed that Mm-hmm. I had so much, not so much knowledge that she has to have a high school diploma.
1: They never questioned it. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas you're you're on the show today mm-hmm. with Karen Hiarty, who mm-hmm. teaches in the GED program where you got your GED East Area Adult, um, and she mentioned earlier how a lot of her job is is hospitality and making people want to come back to the classroom and Mm -hmm. getting them to continue going. Um, How did she do that for you? Were there times when maybe you didn't want to keep going? And and how did Karen keep you coming back? Oh, no, there
3: was never a time that I didn't want to keep going. She is as pleasant as she says. She Uh makes you want to come into the classroom. Uh Um, I know there was one instance where I showed up at school and they wanted to do that Uh check Uh, The temperature. Um, The temperature check. So I get migraines off of that little radiation Mm -hmm. that they shoot. Okay. Um, And Karen came out to the parking lot because I wasn't in class, Uh and I'm sitting in my car. She comes and knocks on my window. Uh (sighs) What are you doing? And I'm like, hey. She goes, are you coming to class? I was like, um. Yeah and no. She goes, what do you mean, yeah and no? Uh-huh. And I said, um, I can't go to class. She goes, why? I said, because they want to do the uh-huh. temperature check, and it gives me a migraine, and I can't study with a migraine. So she was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I can't do it. So we had a discussion, and she goes, hold on one minute. And I told them to take it on my arm or my shoulder or my uh-huh. neck. No, they said they had to take it on my head. Uh-huh. So Karen says, hold on. She walks inside the school Uh and has a discussion, comes back out. And I'm like, okay, what is going on? So she goes, okay, unfortunately, we can't let you inside the school. Uh But if you go home and go get your thermometer and come back, you can do that. And I look at her and I go, where's the closest Walmart? Uh And she starts laughing. And she goes, there's not one around here, Uh but there is a Walgreens. Uh True story. True story. I go to Walgreens, and I pick up two thermometers.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I get one for me and one for her. Okay. And um, I come back to school, and I do the thermometer and go in because she goes, "Are you?" Before I even went to go get the thermometer, you sure you come back? <gasps> you sure you come back? Yes. She goes, "Are you sure you're going to come back?" Yes. I give my word. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something. Right. Yeah. So when she saw me come back into class, she was happy.
1: Uh-huh. You know. So yeah. she she stays on her students. Yes, she, anything that they need to continue going, yes. she'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I just love about your story and the stories that uh, sort of the common thread amongst non traditional students is that they, I mean, they do. They you were later in life. You had responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of reasons, maybe not to bother with this, but you right. did. And. um And what would you say to someone who might, whatever the goal is, whether it's going back to school or uh, taking up a new hobby or running a marathon, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, there are people who say to themselves all the time, it's too late. It's too late for me. My time passed. What would you say to them? I've heard a lot
3: of people tell me that, that it's too late. I've even been told myself, it's too late for you to learn something new. Mm -hmm. I will challenge you. Mm -hmm. I'm it's never too late to learn anything new I have been in two car accidents where my back was injured really really bad Mm -hmm. and I couldn't sit Mm -hmm. and I couldn't lay down my most comfortable position was standing up Mm -hmm. I had to recuperate from that for two years Wow. Going to the chiropractor and getting therapy and everything, it taught me that if I can train my body mm-hmm. and I can get physically well, I can also train my brain.
1: Yeah,
3: and you can learn something new. It is never too late to learn anything new. Never. Yeah. There's such a thing as a late bloomer. Yeah, there is.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming in today, You're Lizette, welcome. and sharing this story. I very mm-hmm. much appreciate it. You're welcome. So we've just heard from Lizette Cortez, one of your um, students who accomplished her goal of getting her GED late in life. How does it make you feel when you hear her story?
2: Uh, I'm just so happy for her because mm-hmm. I, I know what those steps that you take in your life when you keep trying as a single mom, because I'm also a single mom. So I think sometimes I resonate with my students, but I know what it takes to get to that goal and sometimes you take two steps forward and 10 back and that kind of thing and and then but but you get there and then the next thing you know you're over the line and then it's such yeah. a relief so when somebody like Lizette, well when any of my students graduate I'm just so happy for them because that foundation is built on mm-hmm. what they achieved and I got to be a part of it mm-hmm. and so yes they change who I am and I have to just tell you a cute story um yes the thermometer story is true and I do have a thermometer for her but um <laughs> She actually came to my classroom and then took a small sabbatical where she took a job. Uh-huh. And then it was going to switch to a different classroom. And then she's like, oh, no. And she came back to my room. Um, so I was kind of worried that I wasn't going to get to see the end result. Uh-huh. You know, because yeah. when students yeah. graduate and they take the math test all on my campus, because there's two test centers in Polk County and our school is one of them. So when they take their last test at our school, I get to see the diploma. Yeah. Like I would not normally get to see that. And so, to me, it's like, oh, we did it. Yeah, like not you did it. Yes, the student did it because they did all the work, but I just feel like I'm a part of that. Like that's my diploma, too,
1: absolutely. you know, yeah, Karen, I have loved talking to you, and I love what you do, and it's so inspiring. Um, I try to ask everyone the sort of the the premise of the show is that everyone who's a part of our school district, contribute something unique and special. And I wondered what, in your words, in your mind, what is it that you think that you contribute to Polk County Public Schools?
2: Oh, wow. I've never thought about it because the focus was never on me. It's always about them. And so to the Polk County Schools, uh, I would like to think that the people who I work with and who supervise me know that when I'm in charge of something that they don't have to worry about it because I've, I've got it. Oh, Karen's doing that? Okay, well, we're good. And then they can concentrate on other things that maybe need a little bit more attention. Um, But I can tell you that my favorite part of every year is when I am standing in the audience and my students are walking across the stage Mm -hmm. getting their diplomas I feel like sometimes I'm looking at my children, like you know how you get that just, you're so proud of who they are, and then you see that face uh, that maybe I haven't seen in a couple months because they graduated, and so it's a familiar, a familiar face, and oh, there's that beautiful smile, and oh, look how happy that person is, and I got to be a part of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's when I realized how much I have impacted their lives, is when they walked across the stage at graduation that they never thought they would see. Right. And the, I get the chills, and I get the goosebumps, and I get such a sense of pride. But it's still, at that moment, still not about me. Because then I get to wonder, like, well, now they're going to go out in the world, so I hope they do something good with that. You know, mm-hmm. like, I wonder where that's going to take them. And and um, I don't think I'm quite enough years into teaching to see that impact, you mm-hmm. know, where a student comes. Every once in a while, I'll be on Facebook or something, and I'll come across an old student. Oh, they got married. Oh, look, they have kids. Oh, look how cute. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, one day I want to be somewhere in society and, and hear a name, whether it be a sound system or a public speaker or whatever, and know that they didn't just get the diploma, that they've taken it to the next level and they're giving back. Because you always give something to the world when you go out into it. But a lot of people don't choose a life of service. Mm-hmm. And so they, they don't give back in the, in the way that teachers give. Because mm-hmm. we do a lot. I mean, yeah. um, and so th- when I see one of my students become a teacher or I see them become a nurse or like okay. something where they're just giving back with that knowledge base. They didn't just take it and stop. Like, okay, this is the foundation. This is just a step. I'm going to go on with this diploma and I'm going to do something else. And then they do. Yeah. And then that's because they couldn't have done that without the diploma. Yeah. And so that's what I like to see is when the student finally makes it and and then they begin to change people's lives the way I had. The opportunity to do. Yeah. Even if they don't know that that's what they're doing, we as teachers know that's what they're doing. Right. Yeah.
1: Thank you again, Karen. You're welcome. It's it was a pleasure so appreciative to be here. that you came in and you shared the story of your work and your students with us. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you change careers to become a teacher, para, or bus driver? Do you remember the moment when you knew a career in education was right for you? Are you a PCPS alumnus who remembers the teacher who made you believe you were capable of great things? Are you a student who is already putting your K-12 education to work in our community? We all have a story to tell, and those stories are part of what makes PCPS great. Tell us yours. To be a guest or to nominate someone you know to be featured on The People of PCPS, fill out the form posted online at polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.
0: You can subscribe to the People of PCPS podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Or watch online at the Polk County Public Schools YouTube channel. To learn more about the People of PCPS and other Polk County Public Schools podcasts, visit polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcasts.